anymore. I got all this fucking cheese, man. I should have saved that cheese money. I should put that cheese money in a 401k. <laughs> Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows we're working towards making in this crazy biz and how they're almost, almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker. Today's guest is a member of the Groundlings and has starred in Workaholics, The Big Bang Theory, Review, The Last OG, and more. It is the super talented H. Michael Croner. Oh, wow. I don't know that I've had like an intro in a while. Oh, it feels, oh, it feels good. Well... I feel like that's something we're all missing in our life is having someone follow us around before we go to places and be like, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together as he I mean, enters your restaurant. Yeah, it would be crazy and antisocial, and I do, but I do think I would like it. Like if it was normalized, if I wasn't the only one with that, like if we mm. all had a little hype person just going like, hey guys, this is Camilla Downing Street. She works at a CVS and has 25 birds. I'd be like, oh, I can do mine too. Which would also be nice because it would give you like a fun talking point. You'd be like, wow, 20, yeah. why what? 25? Yeah, it seems like you'd stop at 20. What, what, where did the last five, just more depression? You just... Yeah, <laughs> is 25 the, the ceiling or is that we're just, we can keep going higher like birds? I always wanted to be a part of a flock. And so I just thought I'm 45, I'm going to make my own. Oh, that's very sweet. I would like a hype intro person, but I feel like how it would have to work is you'd have to become that person's hype person for like a week. It'd switch off. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I could do that. Cause yeah, I think the guilt, like I, I can hardly, <laughs> I, I just moved into a new apartment and they hadn't done a lot of the things that clearly needed to be done for the apartment to be functional. Like there were holes in the ceiling. And so I, I was like, hi, can somebody come over and fix this stuff? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they sent a guy over. And as soon as he got here, I was like, I can do that for you. Just, yeah, just sit down, man. Like I have such a hard time being around anyone doing any work, even if they're being paid, even if it's their job. I'm like, do you need a lemonade? Do you want to, your back's, I could rub your back. I don't, is it cool for me? <laughs> I know I'm supposed to be social distancing, but if you want a little, I could, I could learn chiropractic, <laughs> chiropractic, chiropractic? Yeah, that's why they'd be like, oh yeah, this guy would definitely should crack my back. Yeah. <laughs> he knows the correct terminology. I, yeah, that's an interesting thing where you feel like, I, I, maybe is it a little bit like you don't want to be a burden? You don't want to make people like do things for you, even though that is such a nice mini luxury we can get. Yeah. Maybe that's, I mean, to transition into the topic of your podcast, I think that's a, I think that's a thing that, is an impediment for me in acting stuff a little bit is apologizing. Like that's a thing that I'm still learning how to get over it because to be good at this, you have to, you have to know that you're allowed to take the stage. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of places where I feel so comfortable doing that. Like, especially if I know, like it's very easy to do your role if you're like a regular character on a show or if you're, it's a theater you perform at a lot, or if you're doing something with friends, or if it's your project. But it's, man, it is tricky being like on somebody else's thing. Like being a guest star on a big show is such a weird thing to come in and you've got three jokes or you got two scenes or, or you got a whole episode or whatever. And it's your job to come in and kind of own the space and do this the way that you wanted to do it. 
but it's like you just fucking met these people and you're happy to be there and it's like i that's always a thing that i have to get over like i kind of need somebody to go like hey that was great and then i'm like oh good all right cool i'm cool yeah if it's a tense place sometimes i'm like sorry about acting on your show (laughs) well it's sort of like it's that it is a feeling where like you're supposed to come in and feel so comfortable that you can move at the very least your seat a little bit in the space you're able to like redecorate in a way not so much but you should come in and be like "Mm, no this needs i'm gonna shift that here so when i sit i feel like i'm i'm similar where i'm just kind of like just forget i existed let me just come in, say these words, and then leave quickly so so everyone goes, what a pleasant breeze. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is like not what you, you should show up professional, but also in a way where they go, oh, damn, okay. That person does what they're supposed to do. Exactly. And I think, I think for me, a lot of it is just that it's like when you meet, and I've met a lot of great actors in LA, but when you meet like the kind of the stereotype of the the actor in LA, because like I think comedy people have a little more self-awareness just because we make jokes all the time. But when you mm-hmm. meet somebody who just came up in acting classes and they're really successful because they're they're pretty and they are confident and they're just on set like, what's up? Good morning, you guys. Oh, fantastic. Hey, dude, look at those shoulders. Those things are unbelievable. What are you doing? Uh, me, me too, Playa, Playa, like whatever. That confidence of like, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna be everybody's best friend. I find it repulsive. Like, yes, there's, me some, too. there's something in it where I'm just like, this guy needs to shut up for two fucking seconds and let every, like, read the room for a minute, man. But that yeah. guy works more than me. I talk about that with people, how I go, I don't know what it is about me that my natural instinct is when I see someone like that, and typically they're male, uh, as always. It makes me just go, and is everyone actually enjoying this? Yeah. Or is everyone doing what I'm doing and being pleasant because he's an, this person's overly talkative and pleasant. Like I look like I'm on set and that person comes in like a ball of fire, ready to go. And I see everyone else like laughing and, you know, go, and I go like, are they doing the act like I am? Or are they genuinely enjoying this? And I'm being the jerk who needs to come in with the same energy. Like I never know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. I, I think, I think it's a, I think there's a halfway point probably. Because I, and, and I, I try to, I mean, like, I'm not unpleasant. <laughs> I'm not coming on yeah. set like, Come in like good a morning, I'm fucking garbage. <laughs> good morning, I'm trash. Don't look at me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about my, sorry about my presence. Like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not doing, uh, I'm doing a version of that. No, I'm, uh, but like, but it is, it is wild that thing. I wonder if it's just that like everybody who did comedy had to be bullied at some point. And we're just like, I, I think it's a little bit of that, but I think it's also with comedy, if you're good at it, hopefully there is self-awareness, but there is a strong need to know the room. Yeah. And when I walk on to set or in an audition where it's like a group explanation or something like that, and somebody's doing that, my thought is that is, that's not how humans act. It feels so disingenuous. Like you, you've never like, there's a few people I think in this world that are truly that 100%, no matter what. But when I see actors do it, I go, I know that role. I can play that role at any time. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, and I just feel like it feels so not real in a way where I go, how is anyone falling for this? Yeah. I feel like though for you, one of your specialties is I think you are very 
aware of the room and I know, I know if you're stating something, I can go, I'm pretty sure that's reality. Thank you. Like, I'm pretty sure that is an honest perspective. Like, you know, it's your perspective, so we might differ on some things, but I, I'd be hard pressed to think of you telling me a story and me going like, I think this is bullshit. Like, I feel like it's like, oh, I bet that is kind of the steps of how it happened. Like, I think you have a very good sense of the world, if you will. Thank you. Yeah, I, it's the only way I know how to actually make friends. It, like, I don't, I don't know why, but it's like, I don't know how to do small talk. I've never learned it. I don't know, I don't know how to, um, to just like sort of fit into big groups. Like I've, ne- I've always been a little awkward in big groups, but I'm really good at kind of oversharing a little bit and opening the door for somebody to do it back. Mm. Like, I'll tell you genuinely what's going on in my, my little window on the world. And if you do the same thing and, and you're the kind of person who likes that sort of discourse, I'm like, I, I know exactly how to do this. I love this. Now, growing up, like, was acting always kind of the thing for you? Was it like, yep, I'm going to be an actor? Or was it like a later in life? No, I had kind of, I had a very stupid entrance into acting. I, I liked a girl. I liked a girl in middle school. Didn't we all? And I, oh boy, so many, so, so many. And I was, I was in jazz band where I was mediocre and I was in basketball where I was enormous. I was six foot one and 140 pounds in middle school. Damn. A true creature, a true, like something, something like, like a slender man creature, but with a doofy face and braces and like a big fluffy head of hair. And so I wasn't very good at either thing. And this, this girl who I'm still friends with, uh, who I had such a crush on named Sheila, she was like, do you want to, do you want to skip doing jazz band and uh, do Grease with me? And I was like, uh-huh. And that was, that was it. I got to be Kanicki for some reason. I couldn't sing. I couldn't dance. That's not true. I could dance a little bit because I did hip hop dance classes at my mom's gym in middle school. Right. <laughs> because I was, I was very uncoordinated and she thought that doing hip hop dance classes would help. And they did maybe, but also it was like a real, it filled me with fear. The idea that somebody at the middle school would find out and it would get out. And there was one day where I was in a hip hop dance class and I looked out the big window into the wall of like exercise equipment. And there was a kid from my middle school and just looking at me and he just sort of raised his hand up like high. And I left the class in the middle to go talk to him. And I was like, hey, hey man, how's it going? And he's like, good. And I was like, can you, can you not tell anyone that I do this? And he was like, what? And I was like, please don't tell anyone that you saw me do this. And he was like, yeah, okay, man. Wow. Which honestly in middle school, if I was that kid would have made me want to tell more people. Absolutely. It was a terrible plan. Because it's sort of like, I didn't even think about it, but now I kind of want to be like, I saw H, I can't tell you what he was doing, but he specifically told me not to tell. Like, it just feels like so much, like, so juicy. Oh, he told everyone. Oh, yeah. Of course. He had to. Uh, but yeah, I had such a real fear about that. But anyway, so, so I did Grease, and I got to be Kanicki, and I, uh, I drove a golf cart that had been put panels on it to make it look like Grease Lightning, and I wore a leather jacket, and I got to kiss a girl on stage, and I was like, acting is cool. And it just stayed as this very sort of not thought out thing until until high school when I like I just I got more into it I got to do some cool things I was in a play called the diviners and I made my I made my dad cry and I didn't know that my dad cried 
<laughs> I didn't know that I was like, it felt like I was like, am I actually good at something in the world? This is crazy. Did your dad, was your dad crying from the show or from like realizing his son's going to be an actor? I think a mix. Um, <laughs> he was like, oh God, he'll die on the streets. Uh, but yeah, I just, yeah, I think when you, and then, and then the other little thing that happened was for some reason, I, I kind of didn't trust it. Like I loved it, but I didn't trust it. And my parents actually gave me a real gift, which is like, I was going into college and I was applying to schools and I was going to do like a liberal arts degree and do a minor in theater. And my parents went, well, why? And I was like, well, cause you know, I, I don't know exactly what I want to do. And they were like, do you like doing act? Do you like acting? And I was like, yeah, a lot. And like, do you like it more than anthropology? And I was like, yeah, I don't really know anything about anthropology. It just seems like, <laughs> it just seems like, it seems a, like a store. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I want to get into retail and <laughs> And they're like, do the acting. And they were like, yeah, which is a crazy thing for parents. And, and genuinely, I think maybe they were wrong. I don't know that I got a lot out of getting a BFA in acting. But I, I do think that it, it set me on the track to do the thing that has been a joy. Like, I'm, I'm so glad. I, don't, I, I really, this is the thing I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Well, good for your parents. I know it can go either way, but like, that's, that's less heard of the parents who are like, you're supposed just act just do acting college most would be Absolutely. most would be like well yeah you could minor in acting sure but like business get some type of thing exactly and i'm i'm the i'm enough of a people pleaser that if if there ever was a person who could have had his parents expectations lead in, into a life of like cubicle work like i was absolutely primed for that it would have been so easy they would have just had to ask a question like well do you want to like have stability and I would have been like you're right you're right I'll just yeah I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a banker like yeah I just needed one little nudge and I would have given up on my dreams at that point that's amazing do you feel like so much of the people pleasing kept you doing acting because enough people were like oh that was pretty good I don't you know I don't actually know the answer I that's certainly a part of it like I think we all anybody who figures out that they're good at something likes the fact that they're good at it but I do think that for me, a big part of it is how much I like making things with people that I like. I love playing a game with somebody. Like I love a game night. If we're playing poker or gin or a board game or video games or whatever, I love doing something with somebody because you have a shared project. And I, that's another way that I really know how to like make a connection with a person is, oh, we're doing a thing together. And theater and sketch comedy and improv and tv and film and and animation and all those things those are all like gigantic shared projects and it is so fun to do your part well and have the people that are doing the other parts go oh man i love the thing you did and that makes my job easier that is such a good feeling yeah and i love that part of it and if you can make the guy behind the camera or the person who's been on this show for a while or, or your co-star or whatever, like laugh or go like, Oh my God, that was great. So fun. That's yeah. So fun. Now, when I think about it, I find it interesting that, I don't know if you've given it much thought, but you have inadvertently in your life been involved in activities that almost in a way I feel like would have led you to improv and sketch. Like, literally you're doing jazz band you're doing basketball these are like the analogy is improv for all of them yeah. and it's kind of interesting that like 
if you were, let's say, like, excelled at jazz band, maybe that would have stopped there. And would have been like, great, I have found my people. This is great. Or you were like, oh, I'm using my height to my advantage in middle school. And I'm absolutely crushing it in basketball. And suddenly that's that. But then eventually you move to, like, this is it. This is the team yeah. sport that really and works for you. Thankfully, I was just dog shit at both of them. <laughs> <laughs> God, God bless my lack of rhythm and my my late developing hand-eye coordination. Because if I if I if either of those things had really been there, I I might never have found the thing that I I most like to do, which is I mean like more than anything else. Like I think I'm a good actor. I think I'm a good writer. I'm a really good improviser, and I love it. I just really I really love it. Yeah. And when it works, man. When it yeah. really when so, when you find something really that you didn't expect. That's the hardest thing about improv is just sitting up there for a while without putting some big joke on stage with you so that you feel comfortable without plugging in one of the bits you've kind of done before. Like yeah. if you just sit up there with somebody and something happens that neither of you were planning. Oh uh, man. It's the closest thing to magic we get in comedy. Yep. It's so fulfilling. Now I've been asking a lot of people this, have you for yourself uh, developed a definition of success? Yes. Yes, I have, but I but it's it's changed over time. When I was like 25, 25, 26, I remember like I was working at a restaurant and I was working a lot of hours and I was doing stuff at the Groundlings. I don't know if that's when I was in the Sunday company yet, um, which I'm sure you've explained on the podcast and probably most of the people listening to this know what it is, but it's like a it's kind of like sketch comedy boot camp. That's where you and I met was uh, I was directing it and you were a performer in it, a hilarious performer in it. But either way, whether I was just auditioning and doing class at the Groundlings or actually in the Sunday company, like I was overwhelmed. Like I was so broke and I was not good at this stuff yet. Really trying so hard in every audition to show everyone, uh, I want to show everyone that I've got it. I gotta show them. Like, and which is the most, it's a, it's the, it's a recipe for mediocrity is to try to prove yourself in every audition instead of relaxing and, and playing the character and doing the thing the way that you would do it on set. Like it's I was just so try hard at that point in my career. And so I wasn't having a lot of success. Um, the one thing that I was good at was classes in the in the sketch of the groundlings, and I was really pouring myself into that and just restaurant work you know everybody does restaurant work and so you you just go like uh yeah well he's got a he's got a job at a restaurant restaurant work is brutal like it just takes it just it takes your health <laughs> you start having back trouble and your feet hurt and you your neck is stuck and all this bullshit and like pe the people are just fucking miserable to you people just treat you like trash and and you get in and they're like, yeah, it's a really flexible community. And then you have a great opportunity. And everybody's like, no, I got to jack it off on Friday. I can't <laughs> cover you. So you can go to the callback for the thing that could change your life. Like it's, it's a miserable fucking existence. And I really, I remember saying to myself, all I want to do is make, mon make enough money to live and, and make things with people. If I could just be paying, paying for a life in L.A., a hundred percent by uh, by performing and and at that time that included just like teaching at the groundlings. I was like, if I could just mm -hmm. get into the Sunday company and be able to teach improv and not and have all of my life be about sketch and improv and and stories and 
uh, and acting. I was like, that's success. And now I've got that and I want <laughs> I have other things I want. Right. <laughs> I've had that for quite some time. Yeah. And, I, and I'm very, very grateful for it. But careful what you wish for, because the, I, I should have added some more things to that list. And, <laughs> and that's not to say I, I've been very lucky. I've had an awesome career and I've, I've been involved in lots of projects I'm really proud of. And I, I, I remember at one point saying, like, all I want wealth for me at that point in my life was just like, yeah, I can just get whatever cheese I want. I can afford whatever. Fucking what, a, what a big dreamer. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I have that. And now I'm like, yeah, I want like a house. Can I get a house too? Like I'm tired no. of I'm 36 and like. You, you just get cheese. I don't want to rent anymore. I've got all this <laughs> fucking cheese, man. I should have saved that cheese money. I should put that cheese money in a 401k. <laughs> oh my gosh. But also like. Yeah, like I'm older and yes, I, 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 the thing I want now, I want to, I want to be involved in some projects that I'm in control of. Like I want to hire people that I like and I want to be in more in charge of the stories. And I, I've been writing a lot and trying to, trying to get those things going. But I, I don't want to totally discredit that, that 25 year old me's thing because, because what a fucking life. Mm. Like, like I, I do, I do love this work so much. And like, yeah, you grow up and your expectations change, but like, man. It, it's a, it's a very fun thing to do to be able to pay the bills. It's kind of which direction you're looking. If you look back to the 25, 26-year-old you, you can be, feel so accomplished and so grateful that you like, hey, you said that to yourself and you made it happen, which in a way could give you like comfort knowing like, oh, if I set this next benchmark or goal, I'll be able to meet that too. Kind of idea of like, hey, remember that thing you said so many years ago? You did it. Let's set a new thing. We've got cheese stacked up to the ceiling. Yeah. We clearly have made it. Speaking of all those moments, do you have times in your career when you feel like you quote unquote, like made it or you hit moments when you've gone like, yes, H, you've done it. I mean, getting into the groundlings was big. Getting to the groundlings felt, because I didn't think, I didn't think it was going to happen. I, just because so many people go through that program like I, my thing was just, I just wanted to do three sixes in the Sunday company. That was my, that was my goal going through it because there were so many people who went through the groundlings and got to the Sunday company and then got cut. And I was like, you cut, you mm -hmm. cut Drew Drogi, you know, like you cut Dana Powell. What? Like you cut Daniel Acker. It was, it's just, it's yeah, like, you, cut Daniel, <laughs> you, you hadn't <laughs> happened at that point in my life. <laughs> sure, Otherwise sure. you'd be on the list. <laughs> But I just, I just was like, why, why would I, why would I be an exception to that? And then, um, and then I, I was in the Sunday company with uh, Greg Worswick was the six ahead of me, and he and I wrote a lot of stuff together. He was the person I wrote best with. And when he got in, I went like, maybe I can, maybe I can get in. And I, and I did, and that, that felt like a validation because it really was the one thing that I felt really good mm -hmm. at at that point in my life. So getting in, that felt great. And then. Being on review was mm -hmm. the other one because that show was just like, I wasn't the biggest role on it, but I, I got to be in a lot of episodes and I just had never been on something where every script we got, I was like, this is fucking mm. fantastic. Like I've been in a lot of good shows, a lot of really well, well done shows and like, but review was like my taste. Mm. It was, it was fucked up and there was so much, pathos and sadness and misery yeah. and like the things they did they put that character through were agonizing and cringy and yeah. so funny 
and Andy Daly's amazing. And I, I got to be, I got to be a part of it. And I got to be my favorite part. I got to play mm. an idiot in a world with like Andy Daly's one of the best straight men. He yeah. says. Like he's just such a good improviser. And even when he is playing um, a fool, he plays it with such intelligence. And I like playing uh, low status. Mm -hmm. I love playing people who don't get it. Usually I love playing either sensitive idiots is my, my favorite people who feel things deeply, but don't understand mm -hmm. what they're feeling. And I got to do that on a show with a person who could call me out in such elegant ways. Yeah. And it was just- Review was such a funny show, truly. And H was incredible. And if yeah. you haven't seen it, it's just check it out. Watch Review on Comedy Central and Amazon Prime. It is such a real, simple, funny premise. And it is an absolute joy. Thanks, man. Now, do you have aspirations or have you, like, where do you fall when it comes to being like rich and famous? Like the idea that this career could lead to that. It is a possibility. Are you like, fuck yeah? Or are you like, uh, I'm good? I've never been interested in, in real fame. I don't want to be a celebrity. I, I don't. Like, um, would I like to be and like- You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I- I, I always admired people in the like John C. Riley, William H. Macy range. Do you know what I mean? And who are both arguably celebrities, but, mm -hmm. but people who, who had more of a niche following, like I don't, I don't want to be, uh, I, I want to be able to go to the grocery store. I want to be able to travel and not have people stop me. Mm. But, but wealth would be great. I'm very into wealth. <laughs> like, yeah, by all means, give me some more wealth. I have very expensive tastes. I'd love to make fabulous money. Um, but, but yeah, fame to me is, you know, cause as much, as much as, as much as acting is a, is a big part of my life. It's, it's not my life. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm somebody who wants a whole world outside of this. I've tried to be thoughtful about that as I've gotten a little older and like, I want to, I want to have a life outside of this career. I don't want my life to be my career. I, but I just, I still want the career to be going very well. Well, Wealth can translate to like, you know, where you put it. So like travel, home, hobbies, interests. It like, it's not like you're wealthy and therefore you put it all back in your career. Like it gives you the freedom of the full life like you're describing where fame is basically solely about the career. Yeah, It is just like, that's anyone coming up to you anytime you're hounded. No one's like, hey, you're that dude just went on that trip, right? Like they're... <laughs> they're like coming towards you because of that. And I wonder if it, you would feel like bogged down by it. It's the fear of like, oh no, no, there's more to Maybe, me. But also it's the same as the question you asked before. It's like, did, did, I, did I want the feedback? Well, no, the thing I like most is making things. Mm -hmm. And so a certain amount of fame allow, makes it easier to sell a show. Mm -hmm. It makes it easier to, 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 have, to do a podcast and not have it just be the thing you're doing for fun, but be like, oh, I, you yeah. know I mean, like, oh, this is now a big deal just because I have recognition. So there's a certain amount of that, you know, I'm glad that people know, people know who I am enough that they go like, oh yeah, I know that guy is. but uh, yeah, maybe a little more would be nice to help me do the things I want to do. But yeah, mostly I just want to be able to make the things I want to make with the people I want to make them with. Yeah. Well, speaking of making things with people you want to make stuff with, maybe this next guest won't be that. This is when I bring out the Roast comic, Raz Clifford. Oh, shit. Yeah, he likes to come out, knock my guest down a peg, as if the title of the podcast wasn't already enough of that. 
So he's going to come out, give you a quick roast stage. All right. Let's bring out Raz Clifford. Come on out, Raz. Oh, goody. Today's guest is H. Michael Croner. The H stands for hot garbage. I really enjoy watching H. Michael act because he lets everyone know that anyone can do this shit. H starred in the show Review, and here's a review for you. Zero stars, which is the exact number of stars that were in the show. It has been said many times that H is a poor man's toilet. H. Michael is what happens when mediocrity is given a chance. Oh, ain't that the truth? Well, you got rad, buddy boy. And when you see me around, walk the other way. You hate small talk. Well, we hate small talking with you, buddy. All right. Bye. Bye, Raz. Thank you so yeah, much. What a delight. What a treat. He didn't even seem that into it, honestly. Yeah. It seemed like, it just seemed like. Every now and again, there's a guest when he's like, I literally wanted to do this over the phone. He just wants to phone it in. Oh, it just seemed like there was maybe too many negative things he could say about me and he was having a hard time. Picking. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a list of thousands. He's like, oh my God, okay. It's, it's you know, paralysis from analysis or whatever. Just, yeah, I, I get it. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I think he missed some opportunities on it. Yeah. Well, you know, you're the type that you'll take the first shot. You don't need to get roasted. You'll be like, hi, everyone. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I am. It's true. I really am. Oh, man. If not acting, what would be the other career path or occupation you'd want to do? I, when I was younger, I think I would have said teaching. Mm. But man, I tried teaching at the Growlings. It was fucking exhausting. Yeah. But now, maybe teaching kids is a delight. But teaching adults mm -hmm. to improvise is adult actors is just a soul suck. It's just the neediest people. Now, okay, so maybe not an occupation, but what is, are there like, areas of interest that you're like i would do a deep dive on this and maybe get yeah. a like doctorate or something like are there any like that i think i think i would like to be in the food world that's mm -hmm. that's probably i kind of live to eat with people i like it's nothing there's nothing that makes me happier than like trying something i've never had before and really having my mind blown and sharing that with friends or family mm -hmm. i kind of so like a food writer but who doesn't want to be a food writer right that's that's more of a that's more of a, a dream rather than a than like a an occupation where we need more people that we're not starved for food writers at this point very nice but yeah I would, i'd be very into that not so much maybe a little culinary school maybe actually like cooking but more of like the trap like the you know travel and trying things and like that kind of yeah, world well of I only because I don't think I have the personality to be like a line chef. It's a very stressful. Uh, there's, I think there's a lot of cocaine in m many good restaurants. And you have to get a lot of sleep tattoos. Yeah. Yes. I feel uh, like chefs have a weird thing where I, I don't know when it happened or why it happened, but they're all like bad boys. Like it's like, there's an element they're like bit of the bad boy in the kitchen. And I think it's just like, is it because you're around fire? I don't, I don't really know. It's just fire and knives. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I've thought about, I've thought about like having some sort of food project, but like, I, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of those in LA now, like little pop-up things where it's like a group of friends are making like a really good fish sandwich or like great bagels or something, something like that could be cool. But do I want to work at like a five-star restaurant and have 
some guy with a sweaty glistening bald head just screaming that i'm a piece of shit every night like no i think i i'm a little too sensitive for that i think i would probably cave in after a couple weeks of that yeah i am doing my best on the green beans sir well they suck i know and i'm learning and you're like i can new choice it and they would kick you out (laughs) so fast I know this is not how this podcast works, but what, what was your, what's your answer to that? What would you do if you were not in the entertainment industry? I have a big fascination with longevity and health. Oh. So something in the field of like maybe biotech, maybe wow. like maybe like in nano enhancements or something. I don't like, I don't even know enough of the science really to talk about it eloquently, but I would like, I feel like if I'm not reading like, you know, sci-fi or some other kind of fiction my go-to tends to be on like the human brain and longevity and the potential of what we can do so i feel like it would it would probably be something in that field that's so much better of an answer than i want to eat and write about it (laughs) i want to have yummies and i want to say that they were yummy but that's honest i mean it's also true who wouldn't love I would love to travel and go to places and try food, but I'm also somebody who's like, I'm not as interested in the most strange or exotic foods. Like, I think there's some people who are just like, yeah, let me try like goat eyes, you know, like whatever it might be. And I'm just like, nah. It's, uh, it's delicious. I, I ate a sheep's face in Iceland and uh, really fantastic. Uh, still living? <laughs> yes. It's like, sir, no, 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 please. It, it did not enjoy it. it yeah. No, we were traveling out there and there were a, a group of, uh, I think they were German guys who were traveling out there and they were just roasting a sheep's head in a, in like a coal fire. And like, we were like, we'll give you some, we were making, we we're making steaks. And I was like, I'll give you a steak if you give us a big thing of sheep's face. And they were like, yep, it's great. That's amazing. Yeah. For me, I'd be like, mm, I'm good. <laughs> I might have a bite to be like, okay, I tried it, but. You know, not for me. Now, when you're a guest on a late night talk show, do you have a, a go-to story you've always wanted to tell? I thought about this one thing that happened to me once, which, which is not a good late night story because it happened probably 10 years ago. Like, how do you do that setup? Well, so H, are there any things that happened 10 years ago that are interesting? Yeah, like, oh, we're with H, Michael. Uh, we don't want to limit you to the last couple of months. Really, anything from your life, please let us know. When I was six... Mm. No, I, I had this one thing that happened to me that I is like one of my favorite like Hollywood stories. I got to do a I did to do a commercial with William H Macy once, which was so fun, just because he really is one of my favorite actors. We got to set, and he he was like, "Hey, I'm Bill," which sent a little fun shiver through my body. And then the director said, "So we were doing it was one of these weird commercials where I think I think." time warner was doing them and they were like um taking actual shows and then doing scenes where like people watching the shows were in the show and so it was like i was taken into the world of shameless the show that william h macy's been doing for the last a long time that show's been on for a million years and one of the scenes was he and i were put in the trunk of a car together like tied up and put in the trunk of a car and the director said hey we're gonna do a version of this where you guys are in your underwear are you cool with that and I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. 
And so I meet him, I shake his hand, we take our clothes off, we get our arms and legs bound, and they load us into the trunk of a car. And I'm just in this trunk of the car, kind of like, not not spooning, but like opposite ways. Like he's looking at the back of my legs and I'm looking at the back of his legs. And he brought his head up over my legs. And I'm so nervous. It's like the same social anxiety thing. It's like, how do you do small talk with William H. Macy in your underwear in a car? And he just kind of brought his head up so he could look at me over my legs and went, so how's business? And you're like, well, Bill. And I was like, it's, it's good. It's weird right now at the moment. And I just, you know, it's like you, you meet somebody that you're such a fan of and um, to have him just be kind of cool. And then, and he was, he's a surprisingly cool guy. Like mm. he plays such weird, nerdy, awkward men, but he was very, he's just, he has the thing that we're talking about. Like he is, he, he embodies that sort of like easygoing, friendly, but there's no anxiety there. He's not nervous to be on set. And he was just like, we just like chatted in the trunk of this car and we did it and he was great in it, obviously. And like- That's very fun. It's like, you literally got to be in a commercial in a moment where that could be somebody's dream or nightmare. Like I'm in my underwear in a trunk with William H. Macy, someone I look up to. And like, that's the, some of the beauty of being in this business is like, you will find, you could find yourself in that situation. Yeah. And, and uh, of course, they didn't use the underwear stuff. They just had us in our clothes. Was there a moment, or I don't, did it even come up? Because now I'm flagging it. When he introduces himself and you introduce yourself, did he wonder if the H was an homage to him? Um, yeah, he, he, he put his hand on his heart when I said it. He was just like, a fellow H. <laughs> cool name, man. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I get nervous, like... Uh, the H is such a weird thing because it's it is my name. It doesn't stand for anything. Sure. But I I didn't introduce myself as H for the beginning of my life mm. until I was on a headshot, and then people started going like, "What's this H for?" And I was like, "Oh, it's a family thing." Yeah. You know, uh, and then it became my name, and so now I, I I was trying to remember like, did I introduce myself as H? Sometimes I bail and just introduce introduce myself as Michael if I don't want to have to explain it to somebody cool. Yeah, I get that. Of all the letters. H has a great sound. Just it's a pretty it's a pretty letter. You know what I feel like there's what's nice about the letter H is it's it's a meteor letter. It feels like a name. Like there's more going on than like B. I was thinking B too. B really is a garbage letter. It's great for a middle initial. But yeah. you just don't want to like B Michael Croner. That has a lot that sounds weird. Well it sounds like a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Like like something to aspire to. Yeah. If we could all be Michael Croner. Do you have any uh, upcoming projects you want the listeners to be on the lookout for? Sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on a show. I've been on a show for a while called Craig of the Creek, which is a cartoon on Cartoon Network. And it's fantastic. It's, it's, for, it's for kids, but I think it's funny enough that you can watch it as an adult. And if you've got kids who are uh, not uh, toddlers, but like of a following stories with a little bit of humor and and um there's a lot of there's a lot of spooky ones like i just think it's such a good show it's it's really well done and uh uh the cast is awesome and the creators are awesome and then i'm starting a new thing for dizzy a new cartoon called kiff where uh, which is a little younger but i'm doing a bunch of animation these days but it's it's really fun we just started recording it and um that's for disney and uh yeah i'm very excited about it oh that's so fun 
was about to say he's, he, H has a very nice microphone. Clearly, he's got a good <laughs> good setup for that stuff. Well, that's great. So everyone, go watch Craig of the Creek and Kiff. Well, it's been so great talking to you, man. Thanks so much for yeah. for hopping on. And oh man, thanks for having me. Of course. And thanks, you know, thanks for sharing about your your biotech dreams. Yeah. And you know, I'm glad that that door is now open for you, and I can't wait to see what you do in that world. <laughs> exactly. It's like you're gonna see a thing that's like he's he solved it. He's he's beaten aging. Um, you solve, you're gonna solve death. Yep. That's oh. the ultimate ultimate tackle. If anyone can do it, it's an improviser with no knowledge of anything scientific, I think. Yeah. Uh, hey, yes, and to that. Exactly. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous. <laughs>